0: The Lord really uh, has put some things on my heart and just kind of seeing where you're at. I just... I just feel like you're getting ready to step into some things. And so, are we recording this morning, guys? Because I think I'm going to do two different things. I think I'm going to do something in this service, and then I feel like I'm going to do something uh, and focus in more in the second service. And so it would be good if you can stay and you want to, but if not, we're going to record them both because they'll kind of tag together a little bit. But I want to start in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 uh, where it talks about us running the race. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one. And I just want to talk about running the race for a little bit in this uh, session this morning. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, 12 and verse one. And I think it's going to fit where you're at personally, and I think it's going to fit where you're at uh, as a congregation. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one says, "Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, that entangles us, sin that hinders us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Really important here. But where I want to start is with the therefore. When you see a therefore, you want to know what it's there for. There's a reason, and it means this is a continuation of a thought. We didn't just jump into something here. This came from some place. And so you actually have to go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And see what is the context, why is he saying therefore, why is he saying because of this let us run the race. And so we have to go back just a little bit so Hebrews 11 you know is the faith chapter, this is the hall of faith. We've talked about the great heroes, the patriarchs, the fathers and the mothers that are the reason that we're all sitting in this room this morning. And just finishing up that chapter, Hebrews 11.35, just giving you a little glimpse of the life of these people coming out of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Imagine that. Just kill me. I'll get a better reward. Please don't spare me. It's better for me if you'll just send me on. To glory, to live as Christ, to, uh, to die as gain. They said, please, I'd rather not be delivered. I'd rather just be put to death. Verse 36, others had trials of mockings, scourgings, bonds, and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned, sawed in two, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered in sheepskin, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert. Mountains, dens, caves, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. And that becomes the key here. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They without us do not receive the reward. Then we come to Hebrews Chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since those are the men and women that are witnessing your life, run the race marked out for you because they don't get a reward until you have finished your race. Their reward is based on how we finish. And if we don't finish, it's based on how we pass and how the next generation finishes. And if they don't finish, then it's based on how that generation passes to the next generation. Those heroes that we look at in the Bible don't get a reward because the race isn't open. is isn't over. It's, it's, a, it's a relay race that passes from generation to generation. Now, I'm from a high school that had about 250 students. There were 40 students in my graduating class. And so if you wanted to be on the track team, you had two legs and you could breathe, you could be on the track team. And so I was on the track team. And we had an Indiana State class athlete on our track team. Tim Mannix, his father ran, his brother ran. They were, they were uh, state-level runners, and so he was our lead-off leg. And then I would usually be the second or third leg because I had long legs, but I wasn't all that fast. And then a third leg. And then our fourth leg was a guy that we called Shorty. He's actually a cousin of Sandra's. He's about uh, four inches taller than me. And we called him Shorty. And usually we started off pretty well. You put your fast guy front, and he'd establish a lead. That kind of discourages the next guy coming. And uh, then... I would be second or third. Maybe by the end of the second leg, we'd be about even or probably a little bit behind. And by the third leg, we would often be 100 yards behind whoever else we're running against. We just didn't do well in the middle. But then you handed the baton to Shorty. And if everybody was still standing and you were still on the track, when Shorty got the baton, it didn't matter because it was all over. That guy was like a giraffe with a gazelle's body. I mean, when those legs started moving, those other runners began to sweat because this guy's eating up track. I mean, this guy's got 12-foot strides, and he's just coming for him, and you can feel it when his feet hit the ground, and there's just no way you're going to outrun him. If you had a 100-yard or a 200-yard lead, this guy's going to catch you. And the moral of that story is I have a lot of blue ribbons at home, not based on how well I ran, but my willingness to participate in a championship team and do my part. And that, that is what this verse is talking about. If we run and do what God calls us to do in our generation, in this church, in this town, wherever God places us, then that prepares either the next generation or gets us closer to these guys in heaven receiving their reward. They're cheering us on because they receive their reward based on how we run and how we finish this thing up. Now, here's where we're going on this. I was flying in an airplane last year and listening uh, to someone teach, Leif Hetland, and here's what he said. There are three things we have to know to succeed in this hour, number one, what season are we in? Number two, what is God doing in this season? And number three, what is my role? If we don't know what season we're in, we'll never know what our assignment is. And for a lot of the church, that's exactly where we are. We are not the leadoff leg, those guys have come and gone. We're not the second leg. We're probably at the very best, at least the third leg of this thing. And we could possibly, some of us, be running the fourth, the final, the last leg. And if you understand that, you run differently. We're not in the middle where we can saunter along anymore. We're getting close to the make it and break it time in this season. And I think about this a lot. Because I think sometimes in our mind we think of the glory days of David or the miracles that Daniel saw or Esther saw Or some of those Old Testament guys. And then we look at the New Testament and what happened in the book of Acts. And there is no way if you're God of the universe that you started something that isn't going to finish better than it started. I mean there is no way that our best days are behind us. That is just not conceivable if we know God at all. Our best days have got to be in front of us. It's got to be building. There's got to be momentum. There's got to be growth that's going to break out at any time. And shift, we're seeing it in nations. China is the largest unreached nation in the world and also one of the largest Christian nations in the world at the same time. There are 100 million Christians in China. Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world, but also fully 10% Christian. And they won't even report how many Christians there are there because it's growing so fast in that nation. They don't take census reports anymore because they don't want to know. I'm telling you the nations that we work in are changing every single day. And I'll talk to you about some things that God is doing. But we cannot judge where we are by what we see. We have to judge where we are by what do we hear heaven saying. And we have to know what season we're in. And I believe we're rapidly approaching a season where God's going to release some things in front of us. There are real challenges before us right now. And where we're looking has a huge impact on how we move and how we think and how we spend our lives looking forward. So I want to give you a simple little acronym in the time that we have this morning for running the race. R A-C-E. And I'll tell you right up front, these are the words. R, recognize. We have to recognize the season that we're in. A, we have to accept whatever God is putting on our shoulders, accept our role, our responsibility in this season. We've got to get under it. C, we have to contend for it. And I'm going to spend a fair amount of time in this service and most of the next service talking about that thresholds, gates, contending is where we're at. It's not going to be handed to us. You don't get inheritance. You don't get sonship. You get the right to pursue moving from childhood to sonship. You get the right to pursue inheritance. Nations don't come to you. You go to nations. But whatever belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. Whatever belongs to the Son belongs to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in me. Whatever's in His bank accounts, in my bank account, He owns nations, I own nations. That's the way the church is set up. We're going to talk about that a lot in the second service this afternoon. You have to contend this morning. You have to contend for it. And letter E, you have to expect it. You have to carry a spirit of expectation. If you're expecting a baby, you start clearing stuff out, painting walls and buying things that you do not actually need, but you know you're going to need them. We have to think that way. You have to think that way. There has to be a spirit of expectation. If we expect it, we change it. Sandra will clear out her whole wardrobe sometime. And in a little while, she'll have a new wardrobe. She'll start giving stuff away. Clear out bank accounts. We've done that a lot of times. You need more money, get rid of some of what you've got. I mean, this is biblical stuff. And it's a little bit difficult because it challenges our flesh, but it is not overly challenging. It's just being obedient and taking steps. Letter R, recognizing the season. There's a huge spiritual clash going on right now. It is kingdoms colliding every minute of every day. And I believe that when it breaks, it breaks our way. If we're walking the walls... If we're standing in the gaps, if we're lifting up our eyes and looking out, if we're looking and we're recognizing the season, I'm contending every day because I believe when it breaks, it breaks our way. I believe that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. If we can't believe that verse, then we can't believe any verse. I believe our greater days are in front of us. Last year I was in... I was in the Philippines, and teaching interns, had a morning off, and I was in my little room just praying. And I, I love that Pastor Ben talked about seasons of fasting. Guys, you have to build fasting into your life, especially as a church body. It is important. There has to be those seasons seasons because we're contending for some things. And I was I was on a little bit of a fast, and I was praying one morning, and just where we work and where we travel and here in the, even in the United States, I mean, we should be able to prayer, pray, pray prayers that move things, that shift things in the heavenlies. And I was, I was crying out to God one morning and I said, God, I want a governmental anointing. I want to be able to pray and see things change, see things shift. And the Lord gave me a verse from Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1 and 2. He just dropped this into my spirit. It says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, Cyrus. And I thought, that's pretty close to Craig there. There's a lot of the same letters, so I'll go with that. Whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him, strip kings of their armor, open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I'll go before you, level mountains, break down gates of bronze, cut through bars of iron. Cyrus was a warrior king. He leveled Babylon and uh, liberated the Jews, and uh, uh, his conquest was most of the Assyrian Empire. I believe that's a governmental anointing. Here's a warrior king. And we began to see things with our own team. We had team members not long after this, Thailand especially, that would go into government offices to get visas or permits or different things, and the people in the offices were saying, well, you really can't be here, it's not the right time, it's not the hour, and they'd open the door and say, come on in, and then they'd bring them to the desk and say, you know, you're really not allowed to do this, we're not supposed to do this, while they're signing the paper and filling out the paperwork, and they're saying, now, you know, I really can't give you permission to do this, but here's the paper, you know, here's your permission, I mean, They're saying this thing, and they're doing the exact opposite, whatever these guys need. We had this thing going on with our insurance company, some things we'd done overseas, some medical tests and stuff we'd done, and we were getting letters in the mail saying we won't pay that, we won't reimburse it, we'd spent all the money out of our pocket already. And they said we won't reimburse it for these reasons, and it was the same things they always pay, but every two weeks we're getting letters why they wouldn't pay this, and we're calling them on the phone, and we're trying to give them what they want. And then one day in the mail, I'm sitting at my desk, I open mail, it's a letter from the insurance company saying, we won't pay that, and here's why we won't pay it. And then I open this one from the insurance company, and there was the payment. I'm telling you that God wants to do some things with our prayers that just, you know, the guys in Egypt lived in Egypt, but they weren't under Egypt. You can live and not be under. You don't have to get under the situation. You don't have to get under the circumstance. God will lift us above that. The stakes are high in this hour if we know the season. And there's a reason for this season because God is wanting to build strength in us. He's wanting to show you what He can do in you and through you in this hour. And so there are challenges in this hour. But God is raising up champions right now. He's not raising a generation of spectators. He's raising a generation of champions. And we are not doing ministry. We're not building ministry. We're completing a mission. And it's going to take a certain kind of people to finish a mission. It's going to take a finisher spirit. It's going to be people that are going to run with this thing to the very end. And so we have to recognize that that's the season. And then we've got to hook up. We've got to step in. We've got to get under the weight of this. You know, when we come to Christ, the book of Acts says, and we were added to the church. But my pastor never told me that the church got added to me. When you stepped into the kingdom, you also stepped under the responsibility of running the race. You're just as responsible for those nations on the wall as I am. There is no special breed of Christian that's called to the nations. It is our job, this city... Your family, the nations, we are all responsible for those things. But you have to ask God, what's your part? doesn't mean you're all called to be on the other side of the world. You have responsibilities right here, but we have to accept what God gives us as a role, whether it's in our home or in this body or on the other side of the world. What's our role? What has, what has God called us to do? God spoke to me early in this and said, Craig, you have to take ownership of your vision." You have to take responsibility for your calling. We all carry a calling. Actually, the calling carries us. And we're responsible for that. Man, I was a spectator for years. The only time I ate was on Sunday morning when I was spoon-fed. Never opened a Bible, never did anything at home. Just wasn't taught any of that. And didn't get it for a lot of years. And it just came to the point, and the Lord, the Lord had to do it in me. and said, Craig, that's just not going to work. You have to take responsibility. You have to take ownership. We have to rise up. One of the great guys says, anything that you can tolerate, you'll never have victory over. Anything that we will allow to remain. And God wants to stir that up. We have to accept responsibility in this hour. Accept responsibility in this hour. There's a tug of war going on over the nations, even this nation right now. And we have got to grab a rope. Fast, fast. Pray, go, as Pastor Ben did, give whatever God says to us. We have to say, God, what are you saying to me? None of us get a mandate exemption. To run, we have to recognize and we have to accept, get under it. And then number three, we have to contend for it. And I believe that is the call of this hour. I believe that's the word of the Lord uh, for the church here this weekend with us being here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, Paul said, A great door of opportunity has been opened to me, but there are many that oppose me. Church, opportunities come with opposition. Opportunities come with opposition. The stakes are high. The opportunities are huge. We can have nations tomorrow. We could have China. We can have India. We can have Vietnam. But I'm telling you, the devil's not just walking away. He's not moving out of town because we had a good Sunday morning service. We're going to have to stand at the gates and knock and knock and knock and knock and not stop until they move. That's the church. On this rock, I'll build my church and no gate will stop it. When we get that, gates will move. When we get that, gates will move. You're pushing against gates. Keep pushing. You get up tomorrow, you push. You get up the day after that, you push. You get up the day after that. If I go to heaven and they didn't move, that's okay. I'm going to have big muscles. Because I'm pushing. Because biblically, Jesus said, I'm building a church. The gates of hell won't stop. That is active in this earth right now. But you have to contend for it. You have to contend for it. It's not just handed out swords are handed out tools are handed out weapons are handed out giftings are handed out anointings but then you got to learn how to use them then you got to learn when do i pull this when do i pull that when do i do this when do i fast when do i pray when do i go when do i stay that's all sonship stuff being led by the holy spirit when do we being able to prophesy a gift being know, knowing when to prophesy that's a whole nother thing and that's what's happening in this hour is all that stuff that's been sown into us, some of us for decades now. We've been in the church and there's been this sowing and sowing and sowing and there's about to come a reaping, a reaping, a reaping where God begins to pull that stuff out but we've got to break out of mindsets. We've got to break out of molds. God wants us to armor up this in this hour. We have been trained to conform but it is time to contend. We've been trained to conform, but it's time to contend. Matthew 11, chapter 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent take it by force. God's not nervous. He's not deaf. It's not a greater anointing if we shout. Sometimes that's just for our own benefit. The devil's not nervous because we get loud either. But sometimes there just has to be something in us. I went to Bible school at Christ for the Nations. Our founder, Gordon Lindsay, says one violent prayer a day keeps the devil away. Sometimes you just got to say, I'm not taking it anymore! And you got to mean it based on what the Word of God says, not because we got a temper or we got fired up one day. Because every single day the kingdom of God advances somewhere. So why not through us, with us, in us? We have to contend for it. Ground is not given, it is taken. We'll talk about that in the next service. Inheritance has to be taken. We'll talk about that in the next service. Promises are given. Keys are given. Strategies are given. Weapons are given. Armor is given. We have all that stuff in the New Testament, but ground is taken. You want your family back, you got to go get them. You want your city back, we're going to have to go get it. It all begins in prayer. A lot of that with fasting and prayer. Worship and prayer. Bowls, harps and bowls. All that kind of thing. All through your Bible. The final thing here is expectation. We've got to live, think, pray, go, give, anticipate. Expectation. When we walk into a store, expectation. We stopped in Starbucks yesterday. Well, first we had lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings. There were just a few people sitting around at 1 o'clock on a Saturday. And we went in and sat down. And within 15 minutes, there were stacks of people waiting to be seated. We left there. We went into Starbucks to get a coffee because we wanted to go over to the lake and see your frozen lake. Really cool. Really cool. Great fun. And we wanted to take a coffee on the way. So we went in there. Not one other customer. When we walked out of there... At least ten people waiting to get coffee. You carry an anointing. You shift the atmosphere if you recognize it, if you expect it. We began to tell people when we went places, especially in Asia, you're going to get busy now. Because when you, God says He'll bless what you bless. When we walk in there, we bring a blessing. The next few minutes, things expectation. Make room for what is coming. The goal is never to maintain or contain. It is always to express and to extend. So, opportunities come with opposition. Opposition comes with heaven's strategies. If you don't get an answer, we get humbled. We go to God until we get an answer we get a strategy we get a weapon that's how this works you get humble you come to god he'll teach you something you didn't know we do that time and time and time again if we don't get an answer we go back to god it's a humbling experience but that is what equips us and i said yesterday grace begins when your ability ends god really shows up when we get beyond ourselves that's when he does his best work is when we get beyond ourselves when you're in over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. Whether it's a bathtub or Lake Michigan, if you're in over your head, it's all God from there on out. And He's doing the best He can to get us to stop depending on the things we have depended on for a generation and to fully trust Him in this hour. But then we're going to have to contend for it and expect it. Stand on your feet and let me pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Ben, and then we're going to open up, we're going to open up the altar. And, uh, and pray for people. Father, we thank you that you're visiting right where we are. That we are the lightning rods of God in the earth. We are in this room where heaven touches earth. We are. And so, Father, we just pray for a rise today in that overcoming spirit. Father, the whole Bible's about overcoming. We just pray for a rise in that overcoming spirit, what these men and women are contending for, believing for. Some have believed for stuff for generations. God, we want it all, not for our benefit, but for your benefit, for the glory of heaven. So we just pray for a release, an impartation today, a breakthrough spirit released over this congregation today that your kingdom would come and just begin to shatter walls and gates and bars and hindrances, Father, that there'd be such a release. We declare a breakthrough spirit over the house today, over every man and woman that's contending right now. We declare breakthrough in this season, a breakthrough season. Father, a breakthrough season. We release it over this house today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Pastor Ben.